Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Hi, I'm Jody Mellon. Welcome to Freakishly Well-Behaved Kids. This series of podcasts is dedicated to helping parents and other people who are connected with children help children behave and be their best. I'm in a unique position to share this with you because I've been a child counselor and play therapist for nearly 20 years. I'm also a mom. I've learned many of my lessons from my child clients and a bunch of lessons from my own children as well. This has informed my parenting as well as the parent coaching that I do as part of my clinical practice. I recognize in working with thousands of children and parents that there are some simple principles for parenting. I will cover more than 20 principles for blissful parenting so you too can have freakishly well-behaved kids. These principles are simple and life-altering. They will change and enhance the relationships you have with children. They'll impact how your children behave and how you feel about yourself around children, improving your overall parenting esteem. In this podcast, I'll talk about a specific principle or lesson and how you can apply it. There will be special guests that will further our conversations about parenting and children. You'll want to stay tuned for my upcoming book, Blissful Parenting, and check out my website, www.integrativecounseling.us, and follow me on Twitter at Dr. Jody Mullen. Um, also, <laughs> just wanted to let you know that when we do share stories on the show related to our clinical work. We've made every effort to disguise any identified information, so any likenesses are just mere coincidence. My special guest today um, for, is Michael Mullen, my friend, mental health counselor, dad, coach, professor, and one of the co-authors of Naughty No More. Welcome to my husband, Michael. Hi, honey. <laughs> <laughs> So today we're going to talk about um, Naughty No More, which is a book that we've written with our children. It just came out uh, about a week ago, and we're pretty excited about it. We did invite our children to join us on um, today's show, but they declined. So um, they're really hard. I had to go through their manager and, you know, whatever. It didn't exactly work out. So we wanted to tell you a little bit about this book because it's we think it's kind of special in that way, um, one, that we wrote it together as a family, um, and two, just um, how this book can be something that could be useful to you as parents or educators or mental health professionals, and really what some of the goals of the book are. So we're going to start just um, by talking about the idea behind the book and sort of walk you a little bit through our process, but see if we can help you um, come up with ideas um, about what you can do with your kids, um, whether they're your own or in your classroom or um, kids that you are somewhat other ways connected to that, um, you know, come from our creation. So why don't we just start off, Michael, with talking about what some of the ideas behind the book are and how that and how it came to be. Do you want to get us started with that? Um, sure. Well, I know, I mean, the way the book really kind of came to be was that was something that was between you and Andrew, mm-hmm. our son. Um, and then once you came to me and Leah about it, we 
we decided, okay, yeah, this is this is something that we think we can do. And then it was a matter of, as a group, sitting down and figuring out what our main goal was behind it, what it, what we wanted to really try and achieve. And then from there, um, we strategized and worked on different techniques, and that was or different things that we could do. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was really kind of neat being able to have the kids be involved because they really were able to help direct a number of things, too. Okay. So I'm going to tease out a couple of things that uh, Michael just shared with you. One is that um, this actually came out of um, an interaction that I had with my son where I caught him <laughs> um, doing something naughty. He doesn't really want anybody to know exactly what he did. He still feels kind of embarrassed that he made such a poor choice. But so what happened was I caught him, and there seemed to it seemed to be um, necessary that a you know there be a consequence to his behavior. So. Um, we came up with a consequence, but then in talking to my son, who was eight at the time, he's nine now, about um, a fitting consequence for what he did, uh, we started coming up with all these other things that he could have done differently so that he wouldn't have made, you know, such a poor choice in terms of his behavior. So that got us actually, you know, that was part of what got us thinking, and then that's what we talked about as a family, like Michael said. So, so right there, then, there's some pretty cool skills to use with kids, is one, when kids make poor decisions, um, sometimes there's a great natural consequence. So if they choose to wear shorts and it's 30 degrees out, um, you don't even have to make a consequence because nature has got your back on that one. They're going to be cold, so there's a great natural consequence, right? Um, but sometimes there's not, you know, really built in, these built-in natural consequences. And sometimes the best person to consult about what the consequence for their poor decision-making or poor behavior should be really can be the child. um, That's something that we do frequently with our kids and um, other kids that we're connected to is sort of ask them, well, what do you think should be the consequence for you, you know, um, not putting away your clothes when you were asked? What should be the consequence for you um, finishing, you know, the milk without asking, um, without letting us know. I mean, you know, so those are some, like, simple kind of things. And kids tend to come up with, you know, very well-suited consequences. And the other thing that, you know, I've noticed over the years is um, kids also sometimes come up with consequences that were way beyond <laughs> the kind of level of consequences that we would get. So that's he- so that teaches them how to think through things first. It also teaches them that there are consequences for their behavior. It also engages them in the problem-solving component of it. And they're more likely to follow through with the consequence um, in a positive way and learn something from it if they were part of that decision-making um, experience. And that was part of how this happened. So, well, I think, too, when it comes to consequences, this is often uh, the way I think about it. Even though the natural consequences, um, they're typically natural consequences with whatever it is that we do. problem is sometimes it takes a while before that consequence mm-hmm. really manifests itself or shows. And so, you know, we know behaviorally, the sooner the consequence, the more direct or the better the impact it will typically have. You know, sometimes we do something, and it's not until down the road that the consequence then happens. So that's why with things like this, if you can make the the consequence a little more immediate, 
then they get it because what we're trying to do is help prevent them from dealing with consequences that happen further down the road at their developmental level and cognitive level oftentimes it doesn't make sense and then some the consequence then finally rears its ugly head and they don't understand that. And we have as adults sometimes we don't understand that. We don't realize that what we did today, three months down the road, right. is all of a sudden the consequence shows. Plus the other thing that um is some of that internal consequence mm-hmm. and that voice that's inside that's saying, mm, mm, this isn't right. This isn't right. You know, and so but if it you know, especially at the age that this book is directed at, the consequences, you know, dealing with consequences is a little more concrete. Yeah. And let's talk about that a little bit. Um, we, like, we wrote this book um, in, for younger kids, like younger uh, elementary school kids in mind. So it's really well suited to kids, I would say, depending on if they have an adult helper and depending, you know, on their ability to read, um, that's going to take um, – have an impact, I should say. So I think you could use it with children as young as four if you're the parent or a mental health professional or educational professional and you're helping them along with it. Um, But I think independently, um, kids between six and maybe 12 at the higher end, um, you know, could um, appreciate this book. And one of the things that we're going to do is we have um, an Instagram account. Um, it's just naughty underscore no underscore more um, on Instagram. And we're going to, um, there's some pictures of the book posted and um, information about some of our book signings. We did one last night that was kind of cool. We have another one, a uh, big one coming up in June. Uh, but we'll also even t- take little snippets out of the book so you can see what we're, you know, we're talking about. And the whole idea of the book was really that. Um, to stress, you know, and this is what we were able to talk about with our kids and have, you know, in raising them, is that even though you made a poor choice, even though you your behavior might be looked at as bad, we know that you're good inside. And um, that's, like, really my overall philosophy in, as a child counselor. So regardless of what, like, a child gets referred to in counseling, um, if I'm going to really help this kid, I have to be able to put on those, I call them my special set of glasses, to see the good in that kid because by the time they, you know, come to me for behavioral problems, um, that's usually nobody else can see that good anymore um, aside from their, you know, parents, and sometimes they're struggling with that too. So, um, with our kids, we created a bunch of different um, kind of exercises and activities that kids can do so they can recognize their own potential and then also the exercises take it a step further and help them um, see ways that they can demonstrate that to the other people in their lives. And it's like definitely written from a kid's point of view. In fact, part of our the way that we even uh, developed the book was that we would break up into, you know, um, a smaller smaller group so that sometimes it was like Michael and I were working on something together and sometimes just the kids were working on something together and then we, you know, would uh, mix that up. But so, so you'll see in the book, which is really pretty awesome, is that um, you can see the kids, our own kids, um, at they were 8 and 12 when um, this was being written, um, you can see their impact in the book. I mean, they're, that they're very child-centric activities, and um, 
And there are things that really come from kids. So the recipe for monkey poop um, is directly from my kids. And the whole idea behind that is when you eat things that are good for you, it's mostly bananas. Um, when you eat things that are good for you, that also helps you feel better. So we really took, I mean, I think that was a cool aspect of it, too. We took a, a really um, holistic overall wellness view of this and not just that you just feel good because you do good things or make good choices. So um, I don't know, how has it impacted on you personally, Michael, to have created this book with the kids? Well, you know, I just enjoy the time, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, It's really interesting because I'm reading a book right now about performance um, called Inner Excellence. And what I really love about it is he talks about sometimes when we focus on the outcome, um, we lose sight and we become it, it creates anxiety for us. And if we want to perform at our highest level, no matter what that is, even as a parent, um, we're much better suited focusing on the process and being in the moment mm-hmm. and enjoying it. So, you know, as I reflect back, I just really enjoyed the time to be able to work on something with each of the kids, mm-hmm. um, to have something, you know, in that manner. And then our weekly group time. Because mm-hmm. um, we used to meet every Sunday evening. We would uh, we, we made a, a weekly meeting to strategize, okay, what was the goals for the week and then who was going to work on those particular goals. And so, in some ways, I, I miss that. Mm-hmm. You know, I just miss the, the process of doing that. And so, um, because it created structured family time. Yeah. And so, and that's something nice because we get to interact and we're we're all positively moving forward as a group and as individuals. Well, I'm really glad that you bring that up because, like, the next question I was going to ask you is, you know, how is this connected to your ideas about parenting, but I think before you answer that, um, I like that's one of the things that I think is also really um, pretty awesome about this book is that you know in creating it, it really helps um, clarify and crystallize some of what I think is most important, you know, about parenting and family. But I, I think even in doing the book, and this was some of the we, we test marketed it. <laughs> on a bunch of our friends um, who have children in the age group we were uh, just talking about that it's appropriate for. And, you know, some of the um, feedback that we got was really very specific to that, that even working on the book created a special time, um, you know, for parents and children to work together with the goal being um, to bring out the best, you know, in their child. And I think when your child knows you're invested um, in them, in them being the best they can be. There's something really special that happens, and that sort of speaks to, like, to me, to like my higher uh, purpose or goal in in doing this work is to connect parents and children in, you know, in love and respect. And so, um, like, that's that's really thrilling to me that our book has already done that to some extent for the people who have um, already um, been able to you know, play with it. And it really is a playful kind of book. So, um, you know, I wanted to stress that too, that it's not, you know, it's not very serious. I already told you about the monkey poop part. But, you know, there's, you know, a variety of exercises that are, are supposed to be sort of like kitschy and kitty and, um, you know, they might make kids laugh. And so there's that part too. But going back to that, 
um, how it has affected, you know, like your overall parenting or view of parenting. Were there things that um, sort of were highlighted or illuminated to you during during that pro- the process of um, the book coming together or even, you know, the end product? Um, well, yeah, a few things. Number one, it, it kind of helped me reconnect um, with both of our kids um, and because they're different, you know, in, in some different ways. And uh, so that was nice. And then it also reminded me that, you know, I need to be patient. I need to be able to give them room and space to grow on their own, and they're going to do it in themselves. And then plus the other thing, too, is to trust that um, I think the work that we've done as parents is going to show itself and trust that they are going to be – that they will make good decisions. They'll make some poor ones, but – that they'll learn from those and that, you know, they'll make adjustments from that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what, um, because, you know, I coach our son in basketball. I've coached basketball for a number of years at a number of different levels, but now I've been coaching him. And that's a future show, by the way. We're going to talk yeah. about coaching. And, uh, you, so. Yeah, and, and so it's reminded me that, you know, I had a conversation with him the other day because sometimes it seems as though when he's playing, he's a little tentative or he's looking at me because he's worried about what I'm thinking. And I finally told him, I said, look, at when you're out there, you got to play. You just got to forget about, you know, me mm-hmm. and just play. Do what you need to do. Afterwards, we can break down and look right. at, okay, what you know, can, are there things that you could have done differently or just, but when you're out there, just, you know, follow what you know, do what you've been doing, and, and trust that it'll work out. If it doesn't, then we'll go from there. So some of it is just being patient and trusting, you know, that they'll figure some of this out. And that's really hard to do at times as a parent. Yeah. Because we can't. Sometimes <laughs> um, it's that perfectionism bug. It's the, and that And that gets in the way. Yeah. That's really can be problematic because we want our kids to be perfect because we think, well, if they're not, then, you know, that's a reflection on us. And that's mm-hmm. not necessarily the case because, you know, none of us are perfect. Yeah. And um, we've, we've talked about that. There's a couple of um, archive podcasts where, you know, um, for Beakishly Well Behaved Kids where we've talked about that before. It's like, um, you know, to, be, to really be consistent with, you know, your expectations of yourself and let you know, let some of that go, um, as well as um, with your kids. So uh, um, I just uh, broke out the table of contents uh, here for us to look at. And what was, is there a particular, like, uh, favorite activity or page that you had in terms of working on um, that either you worked on? Um, Because some of the the, um, activities are totally created by the kids. We just finessed them a little bit. But um, was there something that was your favorite or stands out to you as um, maybe one of the most, um, helpful or? Um, I don't know. I, I, I like so many of them <laughs> um, for different reasons. Okay. Well, I, do your best to just pick out maybe your top one or two. Um, one of the ones that I like is uh, the emotional trophy case. Mm-hmm. 
Can I talk about that a little bit? Um, sure. Uh, you know, so the emotional trophy case is, and it, it can be used in a number of different ways. You can either create a scrapbook or you create a little box uh, that um, the child gets to decorate and create and make it their own. And then, you know, after they create it or make it, then what they do is they put those things in there that they're tremendously proud of or things that have had an impact on them. So it could be anything as simple as a birthday card from someone that, mm-hmm. you know, means something to them or there was something important that was written. Or it could be an award that they got at school. Um, and what the emotional trophy case is for is anytime that they're feeling uh, frustrated or sad or disappointed in themselves, um, it's an opportunity to, to bring that out and for them to look at that and, and say, you know, because I'm t- uh, uh, looking at it and help them to recognize that they have done things or they have accomplished things or there are people that care about them, mm-hmm. um, that they are worthwhile. So it's it's really centered about or around helping them maintain some self-worth. And it, because I, I feel like there are times where we get those that conversation in our head when we make a mistake or we yeah. do poorly on something, I suck. I blah. Right. I, I, I it, also to, it allows them to switch gears. So okay. it helps them move, um, as Jack Canfield um, says, um, the success principles move from their inner critic to their inner coach. Yeah. You know, and so I, I think, like, there's plenty of things like that we can do for ourselves as adults. And, and I think that's, like, the other piece that I don't know, I just really value so much from this book, is you really could change these activities to be, um, teen-focused or adult-focused just by the way that you do them. And that might be one of the ways that you engage your kids in using the book. So, mm-hmm. like, you create your emotional trophy games while they're creating theirs. And, um, you know, I think that, that, that that's the, the, the real thing that needs to happen is those connections need to be built. And so I guess, you know, like, this book can be one of a vehicle for that. Um, I think my one of mine is, I think it's just the term, like, what we wound up calling this particular activity. Um, we, we put this activity in here called I'm the Boss of Me. And I think I don't, I, I know I was one of the people who worked initially on this, but I think I did it maybe with Andrew. Um, and, and and not just that kids are in control of their own behavior and their own choices. I mean, that's the theme throughout the book. But one of the things that this particular activity focuses on is um, that sometimes anger tries to be the boss. And um, when anger tries to be the boss, that doesn't work out well. So it has, like, this component of where the kids can see how they get to make um, their own decisions and be in charge of the behaviors that they make. But it also um, helps them, like, sort of pre-problem solve um, when anger comes into the picture. And all kids feel angry. It's completely normal. All of us feel angry. Um, so what can you do when you feel angry so that you don't sever a relationship, so that you don't, you know, get in big trouble, <laughs> to put it in kid language, um, so you don't disappoint yourself. And so there's, like, this second component to it um, where um, where when anger is trying to be the boss, we help, we help kids sort of pre-problem solve. And, and I think that's, like, something that you can do with your kids um, pretty regularly, excuse me, <laughs> is that... Um, free problem solving. That's kind of hard to say. You can try it yourself. <laughs> but that free problem solving is, you know, really allows 
um, you know, you can tell them stories from when you were kids. Make, make sure they're not too long. They don't love those stories when they're too long. But you can, you know, even in watching, um, you know, some programs on TV, observing other kids, you can talk to them about, like, wow, I wonder if you would make a decision like that when you're uh, disappointed because there's no more chocolate ice cream or, you know. So there's all these, all these opportunities that um, I think the book sort of generates that are in the book, but then they can you can take them out and put them right to work in real life. And, you know, that's, you know, I, I do think another bonus of what we were able to create here. So yeah. it looks like you have another thought. Well, no, no, I was, I was saying the other one that I, I not necessarily, well, I do like it. Uh, um, it's the Be a Detective. Oh, yeah. And I think Leah was the impetus yes. behind that one. But part of the reason why I like it so much is because Andrew oh, drew his picture, and he's so proud of that particular picture yeah. that, um, you know, it kind of warms my heart to think mm-hmm. that, that it, it just kind of had that kind of impact. Yeah. Well, and, and that's like, so here's the other thing that I think is important, is that this just came from something we did together as a family. You do not have to publish a book as a family in order to, um, for your kids to feel proud of something they did, to contribute to your community, you know, those, that's not important. You don't, that's, that's just what we decided to do. But, you know, I think as Michael highlighted earlier, it was the doing things as a family um, that really was the high, you know, the highlight of it. And making that time, and I think, like, uh, again, this has probably been something, if you listen regularly to our podcast, you heard us talk about in a variety of different ways, no matter who my guest is, is that really making time for your children is what makes your relationship. It's not actually quality time. It is quantity time to a degree. And so you have to have both of those things um, working. So we had that built in. It was every, like Michael said earlier, it was every Sunday. And now on the you know, on the opposite side of this, now that the, our product is completed, you know, we still get to have our book meetings where we're now we're talking about other aspects of it. Should we do the signing? Um, you know, oh, <laughs> the signing that we did last night, um, there was somebody else who came to interview us. And, you know, so the, so the kids got to, um, they were both a little bit uh, reticent and shy about that interview, but I think, like, there's more, you know, it's, again, we're doing something as a family. So um, it, I think there's that, that piece continues, that theme continues to roll through it. So my challenge to you then becomes, my the listeners, is what can you do with your kids um, as a family? And then I think the other part I do want to highlight is there are some times where it's just, Michael and Leah working on a particular page or um, it was just Andrew and Leah working on, you know, something or Michael and I. So it doesn't always have to be every single person in the family that brings us working together uh, on a common cause to bring the entire family together. Um, And it can be, you know, also simple things like today, um, a little bit later in the day, um, we're doing our community has an autism walk, and all of us are going to participate in that. And so we might not all walk together as a family. I don't want to create this illusion as we do everything as a family. We certainly don't. Um, but, you know, but we will all be out there, and we um, all do feel very, you know, connected to that cause. And, you know, right before um, we started the podcast, Andrew asked me, Michael doesn't know this, he wasn't, 
in the room. Andrew asked me, could he write like autism walk on one of his T-shirts, like support autism, um, you know, research and that kind of thing. And I thought like like that's the kind of thing you're looking for. Like now, you know, he was excited about doing this, which is for like our community and beyond. And, you know, found an app on his on his uh, iTouch that <laughs> will record how far he walked and how fast he walked, and you know. So I think like that's there's a spirit to it um, too, and that's very much connected to what this book is about too. Yeah, and I think too, uh, you know, yeah, as parents, you have to recognize those special and unique things about each child that you have. You know, Andrew has that. So he like we he and I both shaved our heads for Saint Baldrick, um, which is raises money for kids with cancer. Mm-hmm. But and he does he likes doing stuff for uh breast cancer awareness in October. So I don't know yeah. you know, like he just kinda has this thing and <laughs> like what, you know, what, you didn't get it from me. I certainly when I was at his age, I don't know, the most thing I was concerned about was, you know, point. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think that was really kind of, it's just really kind of interesting. But he also um, was very frustrated this morning yeah. with, you know, with something that, that happened. And, you know, he's nine. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, that happens. So he gets frustrated. And um, I think the other thing that's important, too, so you got to recognize the special things they have, some of the things that, you know, don't get focused on the frustration, but you need to spend time with each child yeah. individually. Yeah. So like our daughter and I, we're going to a play tonight because that's something of interest to her. I get to spend a lot of time with Andrew because of basketball or sport. Right. So. And, as, and we do recognize that as a single parent, which, um, you know, many many of you are, with, with more than one child, that that can be challenging. So we encourage you to, you know, sort of um, be creative in your problem solving around that. Uh, we're almost out of time, and I just wanted to remind you that if you are interested in Naughty No More, to check us out on Instagram, um, where you'll find out what we're up to, and we'll give you some sneak peeks, too. Maybe we'll um, show you some of those activities through um, uh, through our pictures, and you get to know us a little bit better. And that's just Instagram at Naughty underscore no underscore more. So um, if you're interested to, you know, you can follow me on Twitter, and that's just Dr. M- uh, Jody Mullen on Twitter. So thank you so much for joining us and listening to uh, what we're up to as a family. And we look forward to um, being able to uh, have you connect better with your children. Good luck and thank you. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.